0: Returning God's Word again this morning to the Gospel according to Mark, the 12th chapter, Mark chapter 12. As uh, we look ahead, um, plan to uh, spend several weeks in Mark chapter 13, which uh, is Jesus speaking about uh, the end and his coming again which always raises some interesting questions and thoughts. So we're going to spend several weeks on Mark chapter 13, and then we're going to take a break from Mark for a while, uh, for a few months, and then come back to it uh, later in January, and uh, then finish out Mark's gospel uh, throughout the spring. This morning, though, it's this section... That really is a culmination of everything that's happened in chapter 12. Um, when you take it as we have piece by piece, all of a sudden some of this starts fitting together in ways that if you just read Mark 12, 41 through 44, you, you might not see how it is all so beautifully woven together by Jesus. But here it comes, okay? The intricate purpose for which the whole chapter now takes its focus. Mark 12, 41 through 44. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. All she had to live on as far the reading of God's word let's again bow in prayer and ask for God's blessing upon its proclamation this morning father will you give pastor bob what is needed to explain your word give us the understanding in what we receive from this word we pray this in Jesus name amen and amen thank you brother Well, there are three actions of Jesus that, as you read through these few verses, kind of stand out. Three things, three actions that Jesus is involved in. First of all, that Jesus sat. Secondly, that Jesus watched. And then thirdly, that Jesus called. He sat, he watched, and he called. That act of the fact that he sat down is kind of an interesting thing. It it may not appear that on the surface, but if you think back to this this gospel of Mark, this is pretty rare. This has been a, a gospel of action. Jesus is always going somewhere. He's traveling somewhere. He's involved in something. Rarely have we read that Jesus sat. Mark's gospel is the gospel of action. Certainly, as we even think back to this Passion Week that we're now involved in here in Mark chapter 12, there has been little opportunity for Jesus to sit. They've been coming and going to the temple on a regular basis. Nor will there be much opportunity in this Passion Week in the chapters that lie ahead of us for Jesus just to sit. So it is noteworthy that scriptures tell us this. And he sat down. But even that is with a purpose, isn't it? He's not sitting to recline. He's not sitting to rest. He's not sitting just because that's something to do. It is a purposeful act on the part of Jesus. Because note where it is that he sat. He sat opposite the treasury. So we're still in the temple. I believe we're in the court of the women at this particular point because they wanted to get every last drop of money they could. But he's opposite the treasury. It's interesting how how God so placed through his spirit the words of scripture. There is almost a point of which there is being said here that Jesus is taking a position opposite. Opposite that all that that ritualistic Judaism stood for. All that it was about, all that works righteousness, all that trying to achieve personal holiness in the presence of God by that which you do. And here sits the one who can bring about that righteousness, who can bring about that justification, sitting opposite all that that treasury and that temple have come to represent in the Jewish mind of Jesus' day, or at least in the most of the Jewish people's mind. That's where he is sitting. But notice as well, it is opposite the treasury. There's something about this that, that we need to understand. First of all, There there are these boxes. The the text mentions this. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Outside uh, this treasury where this is taking place are 13 such boxes. They look like a trumpet inverted, only much larger. So they're small at the top and then widen out in the bottom. That's kind of the nickname the Jewish people had for them as trumpets. So you put your money in the top, area perhaps something about like this. Your money then went down and was collected in the larger container down below. There are 13 of them set up for that purpose. For what purpose? Well, each chest represented a purpose, and there was writing on the front of it so people know. Six of the boxes, six of the 13, are for what they referred to as free will offerings. In other words, they could be used for whatever purpose those in charge of the treasury deemed necessary. So six of the 13 were for that. The other seven were dedicated to the following. One box was dedicated to the new shekel dues. One box was dedicated to old shekel dues. One box was dedicated for bird offerings. Another box was dedicated for young birds for the whole offering. Another box was dedicated for the expense of wood for the sacrifices. Another box for frankincense purchase. And another box for gold for the mercy seat. Thirteen of these. And as people would come, they would place their coins in these boxes. They would perhaps choose and pick which one they were giving to on that particular day. Others might have given something into each one of them. We don't know exactly how that that happened, but you can well imagine that. Some perhaps in a designated one. Others perhaps in the free will ones. Others perhaps in all of them. Thirteen in all. But we need to note the time. This is Passover. Jerusalem and the temple are filled with Jewish pilgrims who have come from basically the entire known world. They come for the Passover. So the place is crowded. There's lots of people. And of course, you can't come to the temple for Passover every single year. Right. If you live in Alexandria, Egypt, for example, or if you live in Rome, you, you can't afford to make the journey every single year for the Passover. So you've saved up. You've got coins in your pocket. You've got a bag. And, and as you come, you're, you're depositing those coins in these various receptacles that you have saved up over the course of of those years. Others come on a yearly basis. Some live in that proximity. They're close enough. They can come every year. Some perhaps divide up their offering so that every day of the celebration of the Passover, they come and they give something. Others perhaps give it all at once. But there's a lot of clinking going on. There's a lot of money being dropped in these things at this particular time. Jesus sat opposite the treasury. Second action. And he watched. He watched. The word here means more than just observe. It's not just a, yeah. There's there's images, but if you ask them, you know, well, what was the last person wearing? I don't know. It, it, somebody went by. No, th- this is this is more than that that type of thing. It's the idea of surveying, the idea of taking account. That it's purposeful. He's watching with intent. One commentator said. Jesus is weighing. The watching is a weighing. Uh, That things are in the balance, and and Jesus in his watching is doing that sort of thing. Right? We do that perhaps in a limited way. We, We go somewhere and we sit down perhaps with our ice cream cone and you know, we're perhaps out at the boardwalk at Grand Haven and we're eating our ice cream cone and we're watching people come and go, right? And, and we're watching them walk their dog or we're watching them in terms of their clothing or in terms of their tattoos or whatever else. And, and we're making some judgments. However, our problem is we make those judgments based upon insufficient information, insum- insufficient knowledge. We don't know. Jesus does, however. He knows the heart of every single one of those people going by. He watches. He's weighing. He's surveying. He's surveying the action that is associated with the heart. Every single one of those people who goes by, Jesus knows their net worth. And what does he watch? The text tells us. He watches many rich people put in large sums. Here they come, these these rich people. And perhaps they're the ones with bags of shekels. They're dropping them in, perhaps, each one of the containers. And you can hear the sound. Remember remember the ad that runs every once in a while, the the one for uh, pro-life in which they're dropping the BBs into the steel drum? You know, and, and you're hearing, you're listening, and you know, Uh, for each of the wars and you know there's a little clink here and a little clink there and then you're pretty much impressed when you hear the one from World War II and then they say these are the ones that have been lost in the war on the unborn and it just goes on and on and on. Well those coins as they go in you, you can tell by the sound how many are actually going in. How much have they put in? Jesus knows That these rich people and he knows they're rich he knows what their net worth is and he knows the amount and he knows that they're actually putting in large sums it's interesting that that Jesus does not seem to be commenting on that this is not a comment on the wealthy who have given their large sums now we can well imagine That there were those who misused this. Probably the category of people just above this, right? Text, those scribes that Jesus has been taking to task. Coming in with their long white robes, probably with their large bag of coins. And making sure they stop at each container just so that people see them. Just so that people watch. Just so that people observe. There might be some of those who are putting in large sums out of some sort of an attempt to become right with God. Jesus knows. But he's really not commenting on that. He has weighed it. He has surveyed it. He makes the comment or the comment is made for us that he observed the rich who gave their large sums. But the text is not about them. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which make a penny. A widow. Now, they knew it was a widow. Jesus knows it's a widow because he is all wise, right? He's God. He knows that, but so does everybody else. Everybody else knows this is a widow as well. Why? Because widows were required to wear distinctive clothing. Everybody knows that this widow, is that this woman is a widow. And we're given the note, she's poor. In other words, the clothing she is wearing is it's visible, it's obvious, she doesn't have much. They knew. And they also know the sound. Two small copper coins. Uh, don't be misled by the makes a penny. We're not talking about, you know, Lincoln head pennies. Okay? That's a comment of that day. The best we can come up with is that this was worth about one four hundredth of a shekel. And a shekel was approximately a day's wage. They're called, in some of your versions, lepta, which means peel. So you think of this coin as something that's like the peel, like an apple peel. It's not thick, it's thin. It's very thin. It's very light. Too small. Thin. Not worth hardly anything at all. Two of them. She drops into the offering box. What you think about that sound? Nobody hears it, do they? You don't hear those featherly light coins hit the bottom. Not amidst all of the hubbub, not amidst all of the noise and all the clanking of, of all the other coins going in the other containers. These two coins are basically inaudible, but not to Jesus. Nobody, except the widow and Jesus, know how much she put in. Nobody went and, hey, let's open this thing up. How much did she give? Ah, look, this, nobody knows. But Jesus knows. Jesus knows what she has given Remember who this chapter has been about? Chapter has been about scribes and Sadducees and their wealth. How affluent they are. Oh, what does the verse above this section say? Verse 40. These scribes devour widows' houses. They take away from women like this woman. Even their home in which they live, they take away to line their own pockets. Remember what began this chapter? Sadducees come to Jesus with a question, right? There was this woman who lost her husband's whose wife here, interestingly, is a widow. What was the question of the Herodians and the Pharisees? Bring me a coin. Is it right to pay taxes? See how the whole chapter is coming together? It's about coins. It's about money. It's about wealth. It's about riches. It's about poor widows. It's about arrogant, selfish scribes. It's about those who call attention to themselves and those who want no attention given to themselves. It's about the Shema. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. And a second like unto it is this is thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. What is she doing? She's giving an offering. What is she giving? All that she has. The whole chapter is summed up in Jesus' sitting. See, he didn't just sit for no reason. There was a purpose. He knows the widow's coming. He's watching all of this. This will be, as it were, his concluding point of the chapter. Here is his example of that which he has been teaching. About money, about coins, about resurrection, about widows. About the greatest commandment, about scribes. Here she comes, his example. So notice the next thing that happens. And he called his disciples. So he sat down, he watched, and then verse 43. And he called his disciples to him. One wonders where they are. One wonders what they're doing. But notice he begins with, see this poor widow? They must have observed it. They must have seen her. He's calling attention to the widow now. Because perhaps they've seen it. Perhaps he's read their minds. Perhaps he's thinking, he, he knows they're thinking of how little she has given. But he calls them. He calls them because this is a teaching moment. He takes an experience that they have probably seen Hundreds of times in their lives. Of wealthy people giving their offerings of the sound that is emitted. Of poor people coming and putting their offerings in and not even hearing. Perhaps the joke is told, I wonder if they ever even put anything in or if it's just a a fake. They just act like it. Jesus uses this as a teaching moment. And what is his teaching? She gave more than all those contributing to the box. That's what he teaches them. Did you observe what just happened? You watched, right? You saw the widow come through. You heard the lightness. Of the offering in terms of the two small coins here's the teaching moment but she gave more than all not just more than all the rich she gave more than anyone else had contributed while Jesus sat and watched She gave all. She exemplified. What here, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. She did it. She did it. She loved the Lord with all she had to give. And because Jesus knows her heart, he knows that what she gave was from her heart. She gave all. Nobody would have thought that. Nobody watching that scene that day would have made that observation. Nobody would have made that calculation. That's something that the disciples and we need to be taught. Because the observation of human eyes was that she gave the least. She gave very little. She gave You couldn't even hear the sound of the coins hitting the bottom. They needed to be taught. The disciples needed to have their eyes opened about this whole giving aspect of the kingdom. They they couldn't be swayed by the large gifts that would be coming in. They had to understand that giving was not a matter of externals. It was a matter of the internal. That's what Jesus taught them, didn't he? Early on. For where your treasure is, that is where your heart is also. Your giving is not so much the amount of money, it's the amount of heart. It's the heart that is on display. It's the heart that is being shown. That's what is going on. Jesus is calling their attention to this aspect. It is a teaching moment. But it's not only a teaching moment, it is also a truthful moment. This is the truth. Jesus knows. What does he know? Verse 44. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. There aren't some coins in a purse back home. You know what the most startling aspect of this story is? It's the number two. Do you see it? Do you see why that is so startling? She gave two small coins. She didn't just give one. She could have given 50%. Nobody would have blamed the woman, right? Nobody would have said, wow, you gave half of what you had? Great example. But she doesn't. She doesn't give half of what she has. Jesus tells us she gave all that she had. This is it. This is all I have to live on. this is, I don't have money saved up. There isn't money somewhere else. There aren't stocks and bonds I can cash in later on. This is it. What I have to survive this day are these two small lepta? And she gives them both. She gave all she had. Jesus knows. What is she doing? What is this? What's on display for us here? Faith. Remember, it's Jesus who taught. Why are you anxious? Why are you worried about what you're going to put on and what you're going to eat? The Lord knows. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of itself. You see, she in faith is trusting God for tomorrow. All that I have for today, I'm giving to the Lord. This is Passover. This is the time when we must sacrifice. This is the time which we must give. But you don't have anything to live on. The Lord will provide. Trusting God for tomorrow. Think of how our society operates. In many respects, it's faithless. In the average year, people spend 15 times more in the United States on gambling than are contributed to churches. This is a thoughtful moment. Do we live honestly before the Lord? See, I can fake it, you can fake it with each other. We can pull the wool over each other's eyes, but we can't pull the wool over the Lord's eyes. The Lord knows. The Lord knows the hardness of our hearts. The Lord knows the rebellion of our hearts. The Lord knows. He watches. He watches. He weighs every action. Everything we do in life is weighed by the Lord. And That includes our giving. It includes every aspect of, of our life. But do we live aware that Jesus is watching? When we took that offering, are you aware Jesus was watching? When you put your hand in that first bag, you were declaring, this is a tenth of what I make. What does Jesus know about what you gave? You may say, well, I'm not giving anything to the church. It has plenty of money. That's not your decision to make. That's rebellion. Jesus doesn't say that oh, that woman shouldn't have that those scribes have enough. No. It's the heart of those who receive and use that needs to be judged, not your act. You don't have the right to withhold from the Lord that which he is due. To withhold from God that which he is due is sin. He knows. He knows the intent with which we give. He knows its purpose. Yeah, you're giving your tenth, but you're doing it just out of duty. Not because the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Not because you're so overwhelmed by the grace you have been given. You can't think of a better way to thank the Lord. The Lord knows. I'm not giving that because I need that because I got to make a car payment on my brand new car. I'm not going to help those poor people over there. I've got to pay for a pantry full of food that I'm going to throw some away because it's going to spoil before I get to it. The Lord knows. knows the truth of our hearts he knows the truth of our living he knows the truth of our giving he knows where our treasure is he knows if we're living by faith and he knows how susceptible we are human pride one commentator asked the question in regards to this if most of the major campaigns that are held in the United States and even in churches and charities if people's names were not announced as far as how much they gave would they give but he knows her name but her story rings down throughout the ages she gave all she had father We reflect upon this. We raise all our excuses. Yeah, but I got to live tomorrow. I got to live the next day. I got to take care of my family. We, we, and you know that. You know we have responsibilities. You know we have obligations. You know we have duties. We, you know we have to care for our families. You knew that was true of the disciples who were sitting around you that day. The issue is our heart. The issue is an issue of our heart. Where is our heart? This poor widow was a woman who was all in. All in. Father, may our lives, may our lives from day to day be lived all in for you. May we desire, Father, your glory and your praise in everything. Less of self, more of you. So that your name would be honored and glorified and praised. Father, make us Help us to be those who live more like the widow and less like we've been living for ourselves. Help us to be giving for you. In Christ's name, God's people say, Amen.